Dark Channel presents Noxo The Case Files of Joshua Chambers A crime drama set in the supernatural world of the Dark Charm universe and the havoc in Baltimore, Maryland and beyond. Ora de Folia Hour of Madness Season Finale Madness. Crownsville was a place where madness reigned like a king. In medical science, the human mind is still a conundrum that must be solved to better suit and treat mental illness. Even though we have advanced quite extensively over the years, there is still so much that we don't know or understand about the human mind. What breaks it? What is the catalyst to make it do and act the way that it does? Now take that uncertainty and add the fact that Brendan Utenreiter suffers from a severe version of Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease, and you might realize what I am up against. Even though my mind was as sharp as a samurai sword before battle, there were these notions that the spirits and ghosts that reside in this place were still trying to get me to crack. They were still trying to get me to bend to their will, but it wasn't working. I finally arrived in the activity room where Krampus's old bed was located. Krampus was huge. He didn't have goat legs like his namesake, but he was massive. His legs were strong and hairy. His back was larger than most trunks of trees. I saw him watching over one of the children that were passed out on the dirty leftover beds. I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. The loose jogging pants that he was wearing were down around his ankles. His cock was in his hand, and he was masturbating. This was absolutely disgusting, and I thank God the children couldn't see this, but this was a new level of depravity I wasn't ready for. Freeze, Brendan, I said as I lifted my Beretta and aimed it square at the head of Krampus. He stopped and turned around. He paused for a moment and laughed maniacally. <laughs> you see, Timbers. <laughs> he started masturbating again, looking at me this time. I wasn't playing games with this asshole, sick or not. I pointed my pistol at his member and smirked. You keep doing that, and I'll not hesitate for one more second to blow your fucking dick off. You got me? Now put that away, pull up your fucking pants, and get down on the ground with your hands behind your head now! The smile Brendan had on his face deteriorated as I gazed at him. <laughs> Go ahead. Shoot me. See what happens. Last warning, man. I said, put it away and get on the fucking floor. He pulled up his pants, but then grabbed the sharp knife nearby. I'm... I'm going to kill you with one stab. One swipe. That's all you deserve. Come here. He started walking toward me. I let loose. Bullet after bullet came bolting from my pistol and made its mark, slamming into the flesh of Brendan Utenreiter with a sick thud with each impact. While doing it, I started chanting the words that John Darlington had told me to do outside of the building. Dulplesia si importesia di puterna, puteria lutristos de obliga. Duhu plesia si empartesia tu puteria, puteria lutristos te obliga. 
but it seemed it was doing nothing as Brendan got bigger and stronger in front of me. I ducked a swipe as the knife whooshed across the air, missing me by mere centimeters from my throat. I rolled out of the way and fired two more shots while chanting, Dulplesia si importesia di putera, puteria lutristos de obliga, duhuplesia si importesia tu puteria, puteria lutristos te obliga. I noticed that Brendan was getting anxious. What are you saying? Are you a Buddhist or something now? You think chanting in some ridiculous language is going to stop me? <laughs> I didn't care. I kept chanting. Dulplesia si importesia di putera, puteria lucristos de obliga. Duhuplesia si importesia tu puteria, puteria lucristos te obliga. He rushed at me like a bull in a pen. He slammed into me and drove me into the wall. The wall couldn't handle what was going on, and it caved in, sending both of us into the next room. Dude could have played middle linebacker for the Ravens he hit me so hard. I opened my spasming eyes as I noticed that this room he had taken me through was where the doctors had performed full frontal lobotomies. The ominous table was still there. Brendan's eyes widened as he finally saw where he was. No. No, no, not this place, not this place. Barely hear him as my own blood and pain seemed to pound through my skull like a freight train. Once my eyes realigned themselves on my skull, I realized that he was standing all over top of me, looking at the equipment. The bullets that I had shot into him came out of his body and fell like raindrops on top of me. A little blood trickled down, but I avoided being hit. He was healing, but something strange was happening, and I could guess what it was. Brendan was getting smaller. The chanting was working. His control over the spirits fueling him was diminishing. I struggled to my knees and dove for the medical table. I leaned forward and pushed at it with all of my might toward him. He screamed in a high-pitched fashion. Unlike the behemoth he was, it was almost comedic, like a little schoolgirl. He ran from it and into the hallway. <laughs> no, I won't do it again. While he was distracted, I continued to chant and grab the ECT machine nearby. The power cord was shredded, making the machine unable to be used. Fuck! I muttered under my breath. But he didn't know that the cord was frayed. Come on, Brendan. Time to get your treatment. I continued chanting as I walked quickly toward him. He cowered on the ground. No! No! I tried to pull my cuffs from my belt to restrain him, but realized that they fell off of my belt and crashed through the wall. Looking away was a stupid move as Brendan swept my legs after me. I landed right on my head with a sickening crack. I knew that I was going to be concussion from this, but my adrenaline was too high for me to worry about that now. Before I knew it, Brendan had his knife in his hand, and almost out of instinct I grabbed his wrist as I prevented him from stabbing me in the chest. He was strong, 
and I was summoning all the strength I could to keep the blade from going into my heart. I finally got to see the look of insanity on this man's face. His eyes were bloodshot, and his breath smelled of sardines and death. Spittle came from his mouth and landed on his face. Just a little more. I was so glad that I spent that extra money at the gym because I knew at some point in my life I was going to need it. I strained with all of my might as the knife's pointed tip touched my shirt and went through. I felt the blade sink a little into my chest. Would I ever see Karen again? I wanted to. But if I was going to tell you at this point in my existence that I survived this, I wouldn't have believed you. His grip went slack, and my mind felt disoriented for a brief moment. Somehow, I was now on top of him. Was it my strength that did this? I couldn't say. Maybe Daddy gave me more than I thought. You are under arrest. It was all I could muster from my mouth. I'd like to think that it was my dedication to duty in my line of work, but it felt more like instinct. I felt the rush of hands all over me and all over Brendan. I looked up to see Marilyn's finest, taking him off me and him into custody. I felt a wet discomfort on my pants and lower parts of my body. While on top of me, he had urinated himself. It seeped into my pants. I immediately looked to the officer that was next to me. Take my pants off. He pissed on me. He didn't seem to worry about that as he dragged me to my feet. I couldn't hear the words he was saying. It was the commotion of the brain injury and my own blood pressure pounding in my head. My adrenaline fell, and I passed out. I regained consciousness some time later, not knowing where I was. All I could smell was the sterile atmosphere of a hospital. My eyes widened, but I was in a real hospital, not Crownsville. The machines went through the rhythm of informing people that I was still alive. You're awake. How are you feeling? A voice came from my left side and said to me. I felt a gentle hand on my arm. I turned my head and focused my eyes on who was standing there. I couldn't see very well, but I detected the faint smell of a familiar perfume. My mouth was drier than the Mojave Desert. Karen, I breathed softly. I don't think my vocal cords worked at that particular moment. The chill of the oxygen going up my nostrils through the tube on my nose helped me breathe better, but made it hard to talk. She leaned in closer and kissed me on my forehead. You went out for a while. That was an understatement. I knew I was out at least a day, but after that I wasn't sure. How long? You were put into an induced coma after the swelling in your brain wouldn't go down. Um, you, you've been out for two months. Uh, once the swelling went down, they could wean you off the knockout juice, but you were still out a little while after that. I missed Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. I felt like an absolute schmuck. Kids. They're safe. They're taken back to their proper hospitals. The officers that raided Crownsville said that you thought Krampus peed on you, but you actually peed yourself, my dear. That was a relief. Krampus? He was caught and sent to a psychiatric facility, but he, he died two weeks after the incident. I guess the disease finally took its toll on him without the ghosts keeping him strong. Well... Help me sit up, I asked. She grabbed the remote on the bed that I was staying in and helped elevate my upper body. 
Some of my bigger sensations began to come back to me. I had a catheter shoved where the sun doesn't shine, which sucked. I also had a fresh bushy beard. There were specks of gray and white coming in. I knew being clean-shaven for all of those years was going to reveal something that I couldn't ignore. My face itches, I said softly. <laughs> I kind of like the beard. You look very distinguished and sexy. I could hear a faint door knock in my room. Karen stood up to see who it was. It was Captain Graff. He seemed to look worse than I did, and I didn't even have to look into the mirror to tell that. He smiled as he brought a get-well-soon balloon and some flowers. There was something else in his other hand, but I couldn't see what it was. Well, 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 you're up. Captain Graff, you don't have to do that. Captain Graff set those things down on the counter nearby. Well, yeah, but that's not the only reason they came by there, Josh. Graff pulled out a medium-sized box from inside his coat breast pocket. Uh, the governor gave you a medal of honor and a citation of valor for what you did. He opened the box to show me the awards. Tears streamed down my face. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to say anything. Graff sat down in the chair next to me. The display of bravery and uncommon valor got the approval by the mayor and the superintendent to give me the pleasure of making you, you mean... my replacement in the agency. You mean... Yep. Captain Joshua Chambers. That has a, has a nice ring to it, don't you think? I would be more touched under different circumstances. Well, hey. It is what it is. Now get better. We're not getting any younger. Graff was only stepping down because the sands in the hourglass were all messed up for him. The treatments were not going well. Several months later, I was cleared to return from injury. I went to the awards ceremony, and I started to attend the training sessions. I needed to be able to do my job as captain. In the meantime, Graff got progressively worse, and the day before I was finally to start my new life, I was going to a funeral. Life and death put everything into perspective. Krampus wanted to ruin my life. Hell, ruin everyone's lives if he had the chance. It was a special kind of man to take out a special kind of menace. And that's what people needed me to be. I hadn't seen the enigmatic John Darlington or Calliope Matranga much after I got hurt. The recovery time was, I guess, more than they had planned. I had become too famous for my own damn good. Away from the morbid perspective of death brings the promise and prosperity of new life. I knew in my heart that Karen was the right woman for me, bar none. So I decided to ask Karen to be my wife. She said yes, and several weeks later, I found out she was pregnant. If the baby is a girl, we're naming her after her grandmother, Josephine. If it's a boy, we're naming him Milo, after the captain's middle name. Either way, I'll be satisfied. This life of mystery and intrigue can stop for a little while. In the cast you heard... Daniel Mac McCloskey playing Joshua Chambers, Emily McAnulty playing Karen Long, Stacy Atwell playing Louise Johnson and Calliope Matranga, Leanne Rieger playing Sheila Sanders, Miguel Pedroza playing Captain Michael Graff and Krampus, Alan Farrell playing Dr. Yodel Kent, and Danny Atwell playing a variety of characters. All rights reserved. <laughs>